Revelation chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 17 through 22. It's a new doctrine, anyway. If, no, Revelation 12, verses 7 through 12. But I wrote to the people who do all the sermon stuff uh, on the computers and whatnot, 20, 17 through 22, and then I got a text back. Uh, mine ends at 18 or 17. What do, what do you, that's a new doctrine. Don't worry about it. So, no, uh, but no, from verse 7. Last month, uh, travelers to the Bahamas uh, were on a tour boat, and uh, they witnessed a very interesting incident. They were on, uh, they saw, uh, they were out looking, and in, if you, the Bahamas have, uh, you know, they're on the edge of the Atlantic Ocean in the uh, um, Caribbean Sea or Caribbean Sea, however you want to say it. They were out just looking and, and uh, cruising, and they saw a 12-foot hammerhead shark swimming in the waters, which was rare for treat for the tourists. They don't often see a hammerhead that. But their delight turned to horror when they saw a dog jump off the dock and begin to swim towards the shark. The video posted to social media Onlookers can be uh, heard shouting in anguish, warning the dog to get away. And uh, while the dog and the shark circled around each other. But inexplicably, the shark turns around and swims away. One man exclaimed, I don't think sharks want to mess with this dog. A tour reservation manager, Rebecca Lightborn said that she uh, often sees dog, uh, this dog running around along the shore to greet boats, but she's never seen him dive into the water like that. I guess that this time the dog decided that he wanted to protect his house or play with a really big fish in the water, so he went in. When the shark swam away from the pier, the medium-sized dog scrambled back to the rocks, lopped up on there, and walked away like it was no big deal. I read that story and I thought of spiritual warfare. Because there's people who, they start messing with things they don't understand. And I want to talk to you about war in the heavenlies. Revelation chapter 12, beginning of verse 7. Especially in light of the fact that this is an actual last day's scripture, but I want to put it in context a little bit. Uh, in just a moment. But it says, And there, then there was war in the heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to earth with all his angels. I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of the brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And, def- and they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb 
and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as they were afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the earth rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down in great anger, knowing that he has little time. Now, this is a picture that John sees in his revelation. As he's in heaven, he's caught up, uh, and the Bible tells us that he's seeing all sorts of things. I ministered recently about the throne and the throne of grace, that we're all going to be there, the 24 elders representing the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And as he's going through the book of Revelation, and as he's seeing things, one of the things he sees is Satan cast down from heaven after a war with Michael. Now, the one thing that is probably definitely understood is though that this event may not have taken place yet. We believe that many believe this is going to take place at the and our midway point of the tribulation is about when this is happening and such. And Israel is going to be persecuted and the Antichrist is going to rise and all of these kind of things. The reality of the war in the heavens is happening right now. We have to understand we are involved in spiritual warfare. There's a war going on whether you like it or not. Daniel chapter 10 verse 13. The angel Gabriel comes to Daniel. And he says, Gabriel says to Daniel, for 21 days, this prince, the spirit, uh, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Asia. Now, we don't know all that's involved in this, but we do know that Daniel's fasting. He's praying. He's repenting. And that while he's praying and repenting, there's a war going on that he is not really aware of. He doesn't understand that in the spiritual realm, the spirit prince of Asia, of Persia rather, is resisting. Now, we don't know exactly all the names, and I don't care to know all the names of angels and devils and spirit. We know three names of angels, Lucifer, which is the devil, the Satan, the one who fell. We know Michael, because we're told this in Revelation, the text we read, and uh, we know in Daniel, he's mentioned there, Gabriel. We know he shows up to uh, uh, Daniel. He's also the one that appears to uh, Mary. That's all the names we know. That's all the names I care to know right now. Because you know me, I'm real good with names. But anyway, the will of God is always being resisted in the spiritual. That if we could have the veil taken back for just a moment, I think we would be absolutely surprised to know, and I'm not going to try, I'm not getting weird here, but I believe there are angels here. And I believe that there are devils trying to get here. 
There are spirits that are whispering in people's ears and they're not always holy. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 and 4 in the New Testament, we are humans. But we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Paul says that we've got weaponry that is not like, you know, it's not blades, chains, and baseball bats, guns, and all that. It's uh, spiritual. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in, in the dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. And I could go on and on and on about different scriptures that would be very clear, but uh, time would fail. And, uh, but the reality is, is that there's a spiritual conflict right now going on. Right now, we're in a time, and I believe uh, that as I read this scripture, that it says that the devil is cast down to earth knowing that his time is short. I believe, as I said in the offering, he can see the handwriting on the wall. He does not know when Jesus is coming back, but he does know it soon. He does have an ability to know the word of God. Uh, He quoted the word of God to Jesus. And he brings out the absolute understanding that, you know what, he comes with wrath, he knows his time is short, he's going to work as hard as he can to destroy the purposes and the people of God. This is not new though, and this is not reserved for them, for then. Revelation 12.10 in our text says, And I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of our Christ for the accuser of the brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one that accused them before our God day and night. The the understanding there is that his aim is towards us as believers. Listen, he's got sinners. He's got sinners. So his target, his accusation, and we'll get to that in just a moment, is against the church. Jesus told Peter, Now I say unto you that you are Peter, which means rock, and I will, uh, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 2 verse 11, so Satan will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. In Isaiah chapter 14, it says that on the last days we're going to look at the devil and we're going to go, is this the guy that bound the nations? Is this the guy that caused people to fear and shake? Is this the one who said, I will exalt my throne over God's? We're going to know that he's not quite as powerful, but to think he is toothless is a large mistake. If Jesus said that I will build my church in the gates of hell, the powers of hell will not prevail against it. 
He's telling us that they're going to try. Hell has painted a target on your forehead. I don't know if you know that. If you don't, let me tell you, he has. He will come and accuse. He will come and try to attack you. The Bible says, we read it, Ephesians 6.11, putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. He has strategies against your life. His aim is to take you into a place where you question God, question His Word, and are willing to do things that you know are contrary to what God has said. If he's so toothless and so to be ignored, why would Paul write and said, we wanted very much to come to you? Second, this is in 1 Thessalonians 2.18. We wanted very much to come to you. I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan hindered us. Whether that is circumstances, I read an illustration of a guy, uh, he was witnessing to a woman, uh, she's in her car, uh, he's standing out there, she says she wants to receive Christ, and as soon as they begin to pray, the uh, car alarm goes off, and she can't hear the words of the prayer. Is that demonic? Yes. But that's an irritant. It's an irritant that comes, the real strategy is God wants to take you out. The devil wants to take you out of the will of God. The problem is, some people, they just give in. Jack Handley wrote a book called Fuzzy Memories, and he said in his book, there used to be this bully who would demand my lunch money every day, and since I was smaller, I'd give it to him. Then I decided to fight back. I started taking karate lessons. And then the karate guy said that I would have to start paying him $5 a lesson. So I went back to paying the bully. That's how some people fight their spiritual warfare. It's so hard. The devil's wrath. Let's talk about the picture here of his strategies. The way he's operating. It tells us in verse 10 that he's the accuser. This is literally a self-appointed prosecutor. He's not necessarily functioning illegal. I don't know if you read recently in the newspaper, or not anybody reads the newspaper, if you read on the internet or heard on the radio or whatever. China just got busted for having a bunch of police in the United States. Harassing expats and other dissidents that would speak out against China. The FBI, they've identified at least 12 locations, starting in New York City. They have no legal right to operate, but they did. They would operate with intimidation. They would operate to cause people to back down. That's the word here, for accuser. It's the thought of a prosecutor. It's the thought of one who brings charges. The word devil actually means slanderer. 
That's what it literally means. One who slanders or accuses falsely. This is the nature of the devil from the very beginning. He's a slanderer. Genesis chapter 3. When Eve is talking to the serpent. And she says, I can't eat that fruit. In fact, I can't even touch it. What does he say? He says, you won't die. God's a liar is what he's saying. For God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. God's holding something back from you. God didn't say that. Be careful as we get into the word of your testimony. Be careful that you don't start agreeing with doctrines of demons. Because in the last days, they're going to be here. Paul writes, Romans 8, 38, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor demon. Neither our fears today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. But they are trying. They can't actually do it. But they'll try to get into your mind. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 8 and 9 Stay alert, watch out, your great enemy, the devil. He prowls along like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in the faith, remembering that your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. Jesus accuses the Pharisees of being of their father, the devil, Liars and murderers. The picture there is that he accuses, slanders, comes against the people of God. His strategy is to get you to believe something that either God has not said or disagree with something that God has said. That's his strategy. And if he can get you to do that... He's got a foothold, and we'll look at that in just a moment. You can read in Job chapter 1 and 2 how he comes before God and accuses Job. God says, hey, do you see my righteous servant? Ah, he just serves you because you blessed him. He just serves you because you just... And Job stayed to his integrity. It also tells us that the devil's part of his strategy is short time. He knows he doesn't have long to convince the church or people, believers, to make bad decisions. So he works against them. Matthew chapter 8, verse 29 
And they began screaming. This is when Jesus cast out the demons from the Gadarean. Why are you interfering with us, Son of God? Have you come to torture us before God's appointed time? Now, all hell knows that this is ends. This ends. They get that. The demons spoke it. They know. The other translations don't send us to the abyss. They don't want to go to hell. But they say, God has a time. Satan knows that his time is short. He knows this. So he's fighting like there's nothing to lose. It's hard to know society today on a myriad of aspects and not figure out that he is playing every single card he has. And he's not even disguising it anymore. There are award shows that are nothing but demonic. Absolutely demonic, whether they're Hollywood or music or whatever. Absolutely usurped by hell. And they're not even hiding it anymore. The violence, the immorality, the absolute perverting and twisting of society today. And it's not just the United States. It's absolutely worldwide. See, because he wants to get a hold in your mind. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 says, In addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith, which is able to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Fiery arrows. These were, of course, hollowed out arrows with some kind of flamin in them like a gasoline but they didn't have that and you know some kind of uh, that would spread and fire they would light this on they would shoot it in to a village and they would hope it would catch a roof or it would catch something on fire the devil launches these constantly his strategy is to work through your emotions Ephesians 4.27 For anger gives a foothold to the devil. And so does greed and lust and bitterness and unforgiveness. All give footholds to the devil. And allow him access to your heart and to your mind. And that's his strategy. He'll launch these things and get you. This is why he goes on to say, be angry and do not sin. It's It's not a sin or necessarily open door to be. It's when you allow your emotions to make your decisions. Allow your emotions to overrule the word of God. What does God say about it? How did they defeat him? 
Our text tells us that they did defeat the devil. They defeated him, firstly, by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Our standing with God is not based on what we do. It's not based on how perfect you are. It's based on what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. If you don't have a standing with God, you can. But it comes through the access of the blood. The blood is far more powerful, far more powerful than just to forgive our sins. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. You were dead in your sins because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ and He forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took them out of the way by nailing them to the cross. And by this way, He disarmed spiritual rulers and authority. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. The blood of Jesus Christ. This is why when you're, you plead the blood, spiritually. It's the blood. It's the blood of Christ. You want victory? Your house is torment? Plead the blood. Plead the blood over people. Plead the blood over things, over your house, over your life. Over your workplace. I worked in a place that one one guy had a lot of pornography up, and and I just I began to plead the blood over the office. And other guys began to put it up, and one and so I was supposed to go into one room, and I just started refusing. He had it right on the door. I'm like, I'm not going in there. After a week, he said, "You come with me. I'm going to go get you fired." He said, no, one, I'm not going with you. You're not my boss. And two, you can't get me fired. He goes up within the next two hours, a memo came out. All pornography was to be removed off the walls. The main culprit, four years later, I went back to that place just to say hello. He pulls me aside. He says, Keith, I got saved. Part of it, he used to go at me with the Bible, pleading the blood over my workplace. You plead the blood because that's where our victory is. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And our testimony, most translations say the word of their testimony. Testimony means to witness. It's used 137. This term in the Greek is used 137 times in the New Testament. And it's interchangeable with the word witness. What words are you speaking? Are they godly? Do they bring Him glory? 
Or are they angry, greed, lust, bitterness, unforgiveness? What? What are you speaking? Because it's the word of your testimony that allows you to have the victory over the devil. 1 John 5, 9 through 11, same word. Since we believe a human testimony, surely we can believe a greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about His Son. And all who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. And those who don't believe are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about His Son. And this is what God has testified, that He has given us eternal life in His Son. You're speaking will determine whether you have the victory or defeat over the devil. How you speak. And they weren't afraid to die. Now, thank God, we're not in fear of the Brighton Police Department coming in here right now and arresting us. Some places in the world they are. I've told you I preached in Abu Dhabi, and in Abu Dhabi, when we were there, it's a you know predominantly Muslim country, although I'll tell you, Abu Dhabi made Las Vegas look like a Boy Scout campground. It was one of the most foul places I think I've ever been in my entire life. But in that, in that room, they had large curtains hung around the entire room uh, so that uh, they could muffle as much noise. It was an apartment building. Uh, we met on, the, I think it was almost the top floor. They had a happy birthday banner strung across the back uh, so that if the, uh, literally the religious police came in, we just started singing happy birthday. And I'm not making that up. That's how they function. We've got now two churches there. There were the pastor there is a Filipino guy. He just he actually just went to Israel to pioneer. He was saying, Keith, why don't you come? Why don't you come? I said, you know what? You're Filipino. I'm American. I'm gonna stand out too much. You can't you just can't do that. And so, yes, there are places right now that they are absolutely afraid to die. Or, or persecution is a reality of that. But more important to you and I is, are you willing to surrender your life? And don't tell me yes if you won't even pay your tithe. I'll surrender my life. You won't even pay your tithe. How would you say you're going to surrender your life? Paul writes to the Philippians... And he says, for me, living means Christ. Living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. How about just living for Christ? Letting Christ be Lord. Wow, that would be unique for some people. Let him call the shots instead of you. This is how you get in trouble with the devil. 
Because he'll convince you your will is better than his will. Don't take God's will. Do your own will. Don't get that radical. Keep it cool. You won't overcome the devil if you don't plead the blood, if you don't speak right, if you're not willing to lay down your life. Because that is the recipe, if you will, of how they overcame him. The good news is Romans 16, 20. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. I love that. I love that verse. Satan, you crush him under your feet. And God bless you. I love that verse. Satan will be crushed, destroyed by the church. Not now, after that battle. The reality that we have to face is the war in the heavenlies. Are you swimming with sharks? Are you playing with things you shouldn't be playing with? Are you pleading the blood? How is the word of your testimony? Are you trying to take back your own life? Because if you do, you won't defeat him. And I'm not preaching this to be hard. I'm preaching this because if without it, you won't make it to heaven. Without it, you will not be there because the devil will defeat you. You'll believe one of his accusations, whether it's against you or God, and it'll take you out. Propaganda is a powerful tool. The Nazis did not invent it. It has been around for a long time. The devil has used it from the beginning of time to slander God and his people. Truth is what redeems us. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Truth redeems us because truth isn't a concept, it's a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus shed his blood on Calvary's cross so that you can be forgiven. So that you can know him in a personal way. That is the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It can forgive any sin. Every sin. If you are willing to turn from your sins and say, God, I need you to help me. I need you to forgive me. He's going to do that. He's taken all the demonic strategies against your life and won the victory on Calvary's cross. That you and I can be free and that we can serve the living God. And if you're here this evening, you're not right with God or maybe you're backslidden, but you need to get your heart right with God. I wonder if you'd very quickly slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need Jesus. I need to get my heart right with God. Very quickly. And move on. 
Changing the call then to Christians. Spiritual warfare is a reality. And how you and I process that is critical to our future. There are the obvious temptations. And then there are the subtle ones. There are the ones He works through your emotions to get you to try to veer and detour out of the will of God. That's the strategies He uses. And that war is not just then, it's not just in the past, it is going on right now. And how we handle that is going to determine our destiny on earth, and very possibly heaven or hell in the future. And so you and I need to take this very, very seriously. Let's all stand. These altars are open. We're going to sing a song. Burn in me, worship God. His grief.
exalted, exalted, exalted. exalted. Let's give Him praise and thank Him this evening. Father, we love You. We're